everybody. It's time for another episode of Revival Town Podcast. I'm Chuck Tate. That's Andy King. Chuck Tate, you doing all right? I'm doing great. Good. How are you doing? Good. Guess what? What's that? My garden's growing. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, you know, I've seen pictures and you really rock oh, it, man. Oh, I need to show you show you pictures of You this. got a green thumb. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, we started with a box, and then it grew into like a U-shaped box. And then I was like, I went out there one day before I'd planted anything, and there was like squirrels playing in the dirt. And I was like, uh-oh, stink. Yeah. So then I built like a caging around it. It doesn't stop. It doesn't really stop the squirrels. Although I haven't seen them there. Um, but and then. I planted stuff, and mate, right now it is exploded. Man, you know, like, I know it's, it's so weird. I, was it uh, a couple of days ago? I went to Kroger, and you were outside selling produce. <laughs> 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 from, from, from the King Farm. Yeah, like, yeah. Wow. So, side business. It's a side business, mate. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, yeah. and Joy was selling lollies. Was that really lollies <laughs> from last week? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. No, but it's. I no. mean, okay. So no. I'm growing like mint, tomatoes, peppers. Celery, carrots, um, spinach, strawberries, squash, um, zucchini. English cucumbers. English cucumbers, uh, beans, peas, potatoes. Wow. Peppers. Oh, mate. Oh, yeah. It's, you got yeah. it going oh, on. Mate, I'm telling you man, what. Man, oh, man, oh, man. We're growing all kinds of stuff. I'm just praying none of these animals get in there and start eating it. No, man. Now, is this right? Okay. Um, We may have the animal activists come against us on this, but I said to my wife, we need to do something about the ground squirrels, right? Yeah. Which, to me, look like mice or, you know. They look like almost like miniature squirrels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like chipmunks. Like chipmunks, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, we need to, like, kill them. <laughs> and she was like, "No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. I like squirrels." So I spoke to my father-in-law. I was like, "Hey, what should I do?" With it? And he was like, "What you do is you get a bucket that's half full of water, and you put a piece of wood that goes across the top, and they'll just fall in and drown." So he was wanting to kill them as well. <laughs> but don't worry, Send everyone. Swimming. No one has. Nothing has been injured. We have not set traps okay. or anything. All right. All right. Oh, but well. I'm- speaking of setting traps. I am blown away by all of the, what's the word I want to say? Traps that have been set by the enemy to this, the whole woke craze is unbelievable right now in our culture. Yeah. And we have a guest today. He's the author of a book called Woke Jesus. And this is, I have a feeling this is going to be really, really good. Yeah. So you need to get awake. Yeah. Right. So, so I want you to sit back right now and enjoy this conversation with Lucas. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. All right, everyone, it's time for another conversation on Revival Town Podcast. Our guest today, Lucas Miles, is a trusted voice in the American church who has consistently addressed some of the most challenging topics in theology, politics, and culture. He hosts the Epic Times Church and State with Lucas Miles, which was named the 2023 Program of the Year by the National Religious Broadcasters Organization. Lucas has been syndicated in articles across both political and religious news outlets such as Newsmax, The Blaze, Flashpoint, Fox News, The Washington Times, CBN, and The Christian Post. 
In addition to his newest book, Woke Jesus, The False Messiah Destroying Christianity, Lucas is the author of the best-selling book, The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church, as well as the critically acclaimed book, Good God, The One We Want to Believe in But Are Afraid to Embrace. He's also the lead pastor of Influence Church in Granger, Indiana, and we're so excited to talk to him today. Lucas, welcome to Revival Town. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, it's so good to to connect in person. I followed you for a long time. We have a mutual friend who's been on the podcast a couple times, and and Billy Hallowell, and I'm sure we have a few more mutual friends. But we're grateful that you would hang out with us today. We're gonna get woke. We're gonna. We're not gonna get woke. Whoa! <laughs> wrong podcast. We're gonna expose woke <laughs> Jesus. And uh, man, I have um, really enjoyed the book and you go deep man there is so much research that has been conducted that i know that's gone into that and the christian left and you're such a i think an important voice for all of that so before we dig into that can you just tell us a little bit about lucas miles how did you come to faith give us your story yeah yeah, so I, I grew up in a Christian home. I was very fortunate. I had parents that love each other. They're still married um, and just were great examples, you know, for myself and my siblings. Um, lived close to the church growing up and and was over at the church all the time. Um, uh, you know, kind of had a Samuel upbringing where I just sort of almost lived there to some degree. It was sort of a second home. I used to break in so often to the church to play basketball. They eventually gave me a key at like 13 or 14 years old. And I think I was like the only junior high kid in the country with a key to a 30,000 square foot church. But, um, you know, and and uh, had a call pretty early on in, in life, just knew as a high school student that I was going into ministry and I didn't know what that would look like. I, I think I just kind of assumed I would be a youth pastor because that's what I'd seen the most of. Um, but it evolved a lot and very quickly. And so, uh, at 24, I planted, um, actually the church that I still pastor, uh, and, uh, you know, been doing that for almost 20 years now. So I've been in ministry. I'll be 45 this year. I've been in ministry really to some degree since I was 17 or 18 years old. Uh, so been doing this, doing this for a bit. Um, uh, in 2016, um, I released my book, good God, the one we want to believe in, but are afraid to embrace. And, uh, that was kind of my first step out into this, you know, what we call the the Christian media industry. Um, you know, it was published through a national publisher with Worthy, and and uh, just things kind of took off from there. And in 2021, I released the Christian Left after seeing uh, just the um, the egregious response uh, of against the church through COVID and. Uh, through kind of the Marxist BLM uprising and and just the the way that that um, I, I think leftism was in Marxism was started starting to invade the church. Mm. And I felt like I had, was really called to get into that fight. It was not something I ever anticipated. This was not kind of the heart of my ministry. I was not overly political. Um, and, and as I started seeing the world change and even here locally, um, a uh, mayor, Pete Buttigieg, a lot of people would know that name. He's the yeah. current transportation secretary. He was the mayor of my city. And so I got to see firsthand as he was mayor uh, sort of this blend of of the Christian left and and this Marxist ideology creeping into not just the state house but also the church locally, and that really you know was kind of a motivating factor for me to get into this fight and and uh, you know since that time we've been on the front lines you know really trying to push back against some of this woke uh, woke culture that's that's rising up. Uh, and of course, I've released this newest book, um, Woke Jesus. I also host a show on Epoch TV called Church and State with Lucas Miles. It, that was the program you mentioned that was the number one uh, program at the NRB. And, uh, you know, it's, just, it's been a wild ride. Um, I think this last 24 months, I've done over 300 interviews or more, uh, you know, talking about this. And uh, every day is kind of an adventure and a hustle. But you know what? As long as I got breath, I'm going to share the gospel and I'm going to push back against uh, false ideas and try to help people experience freedom. So that's really what we're about. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Well, I know your voice is needed, and I'm I'm a pastor. Of, I planted a church 25 years ago. In fact, we just celebrated our 25 year anniversary just just a couple of weeks ago. Andy was part of that. We did a live podcast. It, it was cool. Um, and I'm kind of the old old guy now. And I don't know if you feel like that. You've been pastor in the same church 20 years. When I, I mean, back in the day, whenever there was pastors gatherings, I was always the young guy. Now I'm the old right. guy, and I am blown away by the lack of of the willingness to 
to speak up and to say something publicly. There's been so much talk about um, these kind of conversations are best in private conversation. And I think that's one of the contributing factors that why we're in the mess that we're in. What's your thoughts on that? You know, I I think that um, to some degree, we have to recognize that there should be a difference about how we speak about these things in public and how we speak about them in private. And what I mean by that is that that um, is probably not it's probably not how people have taken that comment in the past. I remember Carl Lentz and I, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, um, discredit him at all or anything like that. He's, he's had a rough enough go of it the last, the last couple of years, but, you know, I remember seeing him on an interview and he was one of the ones talking about how, you know, that's more of a private conversation at our church, you know, when it comes to sexuality and here's the private conversation at our church, the, the public conversation is here's what scripture has to say. Here's right and wrong. This is the ideologies that are coming against the truth of God. We talk about this publicly very strongly. Privately, we're able to really exhibit the mercy of God, show the grace of God on an individual who's struggling, assuming that they are desiring to come to the truth or that they have there's some sort of repentance there or something. We can have I'm not going into a you know a private conversation with somebody and going, here's what Christian orthodoxy is and here's what heresy is. Yeah. No, I'm saying, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, what's going on in your life that's producing this? Where are we at here? You know, and so the the grace of God comes out on an individual basis where the, the, the you know, as the Bible says, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. But I'm not, you know, I'm not standing up on the stage and just giving blanket affirmation for these things or even even silence because silence in some ways is, is you know, uh, um, it is affirmation. You know, if you're not going to address it, then that allows it to continue. And so I think it's important that we do some work in, like, sorting out kind of that private-public response, um, you know, to issues like this. And I think we have to get better. We have to get stronger publicly, and we have to get more loving privately. And I think that solves this problem in, in a lot of people's lives. That's good. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really good. Um, and what what kind of um, obviously the the Christian left did did really well, and now you recently released woke Jesus. What kind of feedback are you getting from pastors? Are you getting are you getting pushback, or are you getting thank you, or a little bit of both? You know, look, we get we get some hate mail. Um, our my hate mail box has been increasing a little bit for sure. Um, but it's not from pastors, you know, it's not from Christians. It's from people, you know, that, that maybe they see a soundbite, they see me on Newsmax or they see me on, on Fox or, or some other platform and they just make a quick judgment call. And so they fire off that hate mail or that angry tweet or something like that. Uh, but people that are actually taking the time to read the book, you know, woke Jesus, it's currently a, a number one bestseller already on, on Amazon. I think it's number one in two or three categories. Um, it's been as high as the top, you know, 400 and some books overall on Amazon, uh, during its release, uh, which is, which was very exciting, you know, remarkably millions of books to compete against. Um, it's, uh, it's got a 4.9 out of five stars for those that have actually read it and reviewed it so far. So, uh, feel pretty good about that. Um, but you know, I think that, uh, this book, it's a little bit different than some of my other books. I mean, it is, I know that it's a, it's a, it's a, tall drink of water you know it's a strong cup of coffee in a lot of ways i mean it's it there's a lot there there's over 500 footnotes and references i mean you, you know i did a lot of homework and research leading into this book and i had it there was a couple people that encouraged me to kind of write a you know sort of the watered down version of this you know hey don't make it so complicated don't make it so in depth don't do so much history in terms of how we got here just kind of hit the issues and and, you know, I understand that there's that this book is probably not necessarily for everybody, but I think for somebody that's looking for the definitive, the definitive guide to understanding wokeism, I, you know, if I could say humbly, I think that woke Jesus is it. It's, as far as how it affects the church, there's some other people that are addressing wokeism just in culture in general uh, that I think that their works are, are, you know, super valuable. And I quote a lot of them in this book. Uh, but I think to, to really understand how wokeism has affected Christianity, how it's how it's really risen up within the ranks of the church, uh, I think that this is the book to go to, and I'm I'm very proud, um, you know, to to uh, to put it together and kind of bring it to the world. When I when I look at it, I feel like somebody else wrote it because I just feel like it's you know God's just assembled this great resource for the church, uh, and honestly, it's humbling in some ways just to see what He's done with it. Yeah, well, I, w- I was telling Andy before. 
uh, we came on today that this is really it's a, it's a great resource. It really is. There's so much depth. It's not just a surface book. This is a, a deep dive, and I think it's going to be a great resource for pastors yeah, and leaders. Appreciate that. You know, what, do you. what do you feel are some of the – obviously, there's a lot of hot, hot topics, right? Um, but what do you feel or where do you feel the church is missing the mark with this yeah. whole side of it? Like, what are the, what's the issues? What are the problems that the church isn't addressing or that they should be addressing? Yeah. You know, I think the church in many ways was unprepared for um, – this this movement that we see right now. The, the church did not have this on the radar at all. There were some people that were ringing the bell, I think, early on and probably didn't get the credit for it that they should have. Um, and, and people maybe didn't know about them or didn't hear them or didn't understand what they were saying. But, you know, it, the church is late to the party. And the problem is, is that the party showed up at the church before the church realized that there was a party in the lobby, you know, yeah. when, it come, when it came to wokeism. And so uh, we're already behind in that way. I think the church is still trying to figure out, like, what to do with, like, same-sex attraction and gay marriage. And that was 2008, you know, that that was, like, right. you know, changing. And, and uh, here we are in 2023 the world's a different place and we have, you know, we have kids that are furries and they think they're animals and they want to use a litter box. And we got, you know, critical race theory fully infiltrated almost every single aspect of society. We have, um, you know, for the first time, the church is being villainized uh, in ways in which it hasn't been for 2000 years. Um, I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff going on and the amount of trauma, this is where I, this is where I'm speaking to pastors right now. You have to prepare to deal with people in trauma. This is a the the damage that we're going to see come out of um, same sex marriages with adopted children as they get older. Um, people affected by this this drag you know movement. People affected by the trans movement. Um, uh, people that have you know uh, uh, been talked into or groomed into or brainwashed into having. Uh, trans surgeries and and you know have have mutilated their body in ten years, maybe even five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years. Those people are going to walk in the doorsteps of your church. Yeah. And right now, churches are not prepared at all to deal with them. And we have to figure out a trauma response. Um, and the answer, of course, is Jesus. We know the substance of what needs to be given to them. But in terms of the delivery method and the systems and the the ministries that need to really go around that to support them, we have to figure out that component and we have to do it really quickly because I think that the people are going to start lining up at our door uh, as the world gets darker. Wow. Yeah, that's that's good. I think that's exactly um, where we're at and yeah. where we're heading. And are, are there any resources available that... For the pastor that's listening right now who says, I, I don't even know what to do. I know we need to implement some policies to protect our people. Yeah. Where's a great place for a pastor to start? Yeah, yeah. So so we actually launched a ministry. It's an initiative of, of the Influence Network, and it's called AmericanPastorProject.org. Um, so AmericanPastorProject.org. And that is a website where pastors can go, and we define pastor pretty broadly for purposes of this initiative. You know, uh, uh, everything from Christian podcast hosts to uh, Christian journalists, uh, maybe somebody who's a curriculum writer, Sunday school teacher, you know, anybody that's touching Christian doctrine in any way uh, qualifies for us. And they can go there and they can sign this statement, and it's a commitment to biblical orthodoxy. And it's a commitment to eradicate wokeism from the American pulpit and to do your part to ensure that you protect your pulpit against wokeism. And we kind of go through and spell that out. So there's a longer statement there. It's based upon sort of a modernization of the Nicene Creed and Apostles' Creed, some influence there. Uh, but it's something across every denomination that people can participate in. We have Catholics that have signed this. We have Charismatics. We have Presbyterians, Baptists, all in between that have signed this statement. And so um, I encourage pastors to start there. We're working on launching a resource page. We have regular conference calls with these pastors where we're bringing on national thought leaders to talk in depth and private about these issues to really provide some great resources. 
Um, and I can mention a few other resources and partners out there. We're actually partnered with uh, the Freedom Center at Liberty University. Uh, they have some tremendous white papers on uh, some uh, kind of, you know, one-page theology documents on, uh, actually, I think there's several pages, but theology white papers on, um, you know, theology of the Second Amendment, theology of, of sexuality, theology of, uh, you know, what's what's the Christian response to Christian nationalism, you know, these sorts of things, just really good in-depth stuff. So we're, we're trying to partner with them and making those more available to pastors. Uh, there's another website we've partnered with called sexchangeregret.org, I believe. And that is, um, uh, that's a tremendous resource, uh, with, uh, from Walt Heyer, uh, who's been just a leader in this space, who lived as a quote unquote woman for about eight years and ended up having a, a reconstructive surgery, you know, um, to, to repair some of the damage that he had from earlier procedures. And, uh, you know, just an incredible guy that found Jesus and has made his life mission trying to help people going through this trauma. And so those would at least be a few places I encourage people to partner with. Um, and uh, I, I'm faculty over at Summit Ministries as well. If you haven't sent your youth ministry to or some of your students to Summit, you're missing out. Uh, it is the best place I know to really help students develop a Christian worldview. So those would be a few practical things I'd point people to. Wow. Man, man. That's good. Now, and you know, we, we've talked a lot, uh, Chuck and I, just about how culture has changed and then how culture within the church has changed. Um, for those who may be listening who are like, is it really a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, th- I feel that there is a, a side of culture that's like, well, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen, and... Can you just explain, like, some of the things, not only that are happening, yeah, but also how a pastor can um, really teach his, his crowd, right? The people who are yeah. with him. Like, because it can, it can be, I know there's a lot of pastors who don't want to be all in political, right? And I, under, I understand that. There's, there's people like, we're not into politics, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's beyond that now when it's coming literally against and twisting what the word of God says. Yeah. Can you just take us down that path a little bit of how, what is happening and how pastors can really make a a difference towards biblical truth? Yeah. So I I think first off, somewhere along the lines, the church bought the lie that um, these topics are political, that abortion's political, that gender's political, that sexuality's political, that, that defining marriage is political, that, um, open borders is a political issue. Uh, these things might have some degree political consequence, uh, not near as much, I think, as people think they do or as they've made them. Sure. But more importantly, they're theological. And, yeah. and the pastors that have bought this lie, that they can't talk about these things because you can't talk about politics and church and abortion is political. So we're just not going to mention it. That, that's total deception. These, these are not political issues. These are spiritual issues. First and foremost, they're theological issues has to do with God's created order. It has to do with how, you know, uh, the nature of how God made us. These yeah. are basic theological questions that have been addressed for a long time. And, and it's our job as pastors to equip people. And if what you're saying is, well, my people aren't ready for this conversation. Well, it's your job to get them ready. Mm. And so, you know, pastors need to step up and realize this. What pastors are really meaning is I don't want to bring this up because I don't want to lose half my church. (laughs) What I can tell you is I brought this stuff up in 2015 and I lost half my church and I would encourage the pastors out there and I would say it's worth it. I would, I would do it all over again. I literally lost 40 to 50% of my church in 2015, 2016 after doing an eight week series, um, addressing different, um, uh, basically different, you know, uh, issues, hot button topics of the day, cultural issues, and what the Bible had to say about them leading up to an election. I didn't endorse a candidate. We didn't push anybody towards a particular party. Um, but we said what the Bible says about, you know, marriage and divorce and sexuality and, and gender and these things. We talked about, you know, um, uh, how God created, um, uh, and appointed leaders and, and nations and that, so, you know, national sovereignty is, is ordained by God and, and how open borders violates this. And we talked about how Marxism is, is antithetical to Christianity and these things. And what I didn't realize is that we had a lot of people in our ministry that had been kind of closet leftists that were, uh, in many ways, sort of, you know, uh, probably influenced and following, um, you know, some of our local, you know, um, you know, politicians in this area. And, 
And it, um, it, it, it was a major, it was a major offense to them. It wasn't my intention to be offensive, but it was, it, it offended their worldview and they left. And I'll tell you that although I wish that they had stayed and, and some certainly didn't push through it. We have some examples of people that didn't agree with us on all the topics, but they stayed and tried to, you know, work through that as a ministry. But, but by and large, people left and our church today, I can tell you several years later, has never been better. Mm-hmm. Our ministry is financially sound. We have a solid group. We've grown three times in the last year. We have new people finding us and coming in, and they're coming in because we're talking about these topics. Yes. And, and and that's what the stats show. You know, from Barna and Pew Forum and these other groups, all the stats show that the congregation wants their pastor to speak about these things, but the pastors are afraid to. And so this is why we started the American Pastor Project is so pastors who are bold have a place to find camaraderie for those that are maybe more timid, that they have a place to get stronger and have people encourage them to stand strong uh, and and to also expose those who aren't really on board with us because they're not able to sign this. They're not able to stand along. And so I tell people, if you want to know if your pastor's woke, just take them AmericanPastorProject.org, send them the link and see if they'll sign it. Yeah. And if they won't sign it, there's a good chance you're at a woke church. Yeah. You know, just uh, right after Easter. So the church that I attend, it's a good, good sized church, two, 3000 people at the church. And uh, the pastor is, the founding pastor's son that took over and a very hard process as far as just making sure they weren't just giving the pastor, the son, the job, uh, the elders and an outside group came in. Uh, and one of the, one of the reasons why he got the position was, uh, his stance on biblical truth. And Mm -hmm. right after Easter this year, they did a, like an eight week, Leading up to Easter, they did an eight-week um, poll, right, where anyone in the church could write a question that they wanted their pastor to preach about. And okay. they took thousands of, of these messages in, and then he they took them the top six, right? Okay. Well, you know, the one was, the top one was, are we living in the end times, right? So he tackled that. But the second one, top one, was the whole transgender, uh, gay marriage. And so, and I love the way he did it, because um, I haven't seen other churches do it. Um, first off, he spoke for about 20 minutes, laying it out, really laid it out, in love, but ha- where the church stood and where he stood. Yeah. But then one of the elders on uh, on their team is a professional counselor as well, a Christian professional mm-hmm. counselor. He then interviewed that counselor for another 20, 30 minutes on things mm-hmm. like, what if someone from the church comes in and says, my son has told us he's gay. Yeah. How do you, how do you talk to him? You know, because yeah. you, it's not everywhere where you can get that, that information. There were so yeah. many people that, not only were there, but also tuned in that they Mm. then did an extra hour and a half during the week asking more questions. And what we found is, um, you know, after talking to him, it's the crowd is wanting to know. Yeah. So that if, if they're confronted with it, they, they just know how to talk to someone, not in judgment, but in love, but with, you know, that, truth as well love and truth it goes hand in hand and uh so so i i really appreciate what you're doing uh just for me and chuck uh you know if you ever see him preach they're very 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 close to my pastor as far as beliefs and everything else very strong but i think that's where people are, are having a hard time is if the pastor isn't leading it and yeah. giving what they believe the people don't so then they're going to find answers from elsewhere and and look here's the reality it's i think that there are pastors who are unwilling to talk about these topics and they just because they're not confident they haven't studied them i mean look critical race theory it's it's complicated and you know i study this stuff i write about this stuff and it's still complicated for me some days right and so um, let alone if we're talking Marx and Hegel and these other, you know, Marcuse and Horkheimer and these other, you know, kind of older philosophers and, 
and theologians and and you know thinkers out there. I mean, this this stuff is complex. So I get that not everybody is going to do the homework that I've done to kind of get to this place of understanding, which is why I wanted to kind of give them more of a compilation resource to to be this definitive guide um, to at least catch them up on this this uh, this ability to talk about it. But I think there's a lot of pastors that are just incognito that they're there's you know wokeness is a spectrum. And, and, you know, I think that there's people that are woke that don't even know they're woke or don't want to admit they're woke. They've been influenced by this. And just because you have, you know, you've been influenced by wokeism, it doesn't mean that you're not saved. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you're a leftist or a Marxist, you know, but, but you can be deceived. And, and people don't want to admit that. They don't want to always challenge their own personal beliefs. And, and I think we have a lot of pastors that have, you know, they've, uh, if they've gone to a Bible college, you know, in in recent decades, uh, chances are they've been impacted and influenced by leftist ideology in the church. I mean, our yeah. Bible colleges are riddled uh, with this. There's few places that you can go. I mean, there's there's a handful of Baptist schools. There's places like Liberty University. There's uh, charismatic programs like Karis, um, uh, uh, Karis in, in uh, the Andrew Womack's in Colorado, um, you know, that that are going to be more solid. There's Theos U for more of a non-traditional place. Um, but but I think that, you know, that a lot of our major schools, kind of the, the Wheatons and the Biolas, you know, although there's some great professors there and and uh, I've I've even spoken at some of these places before. Uh, they might not have me back after this book. I don't know. But, uh, you know, look, they've been impacted deeply by wokeism and yeah. critical theory and and uh, progressive ideology. And so we have to be very careful. So what happens is you have these leftist theology professors that a lot of them don't even believe that the scriptures are God's, you know, inerrant word or absolute truth anymore. And they're training up the next generation of parishioners or of, of pastors that then go out into the church, and start training up parishioners with this kind of watered down version of the gospel. And so this is what, this is what allowed things like the seeker sensitive movement to, to become what it was or the social justice movement to become what it was. And it created this perfect substrate for wokeism to get planted in this new generation. And the church has a lot of work to do in this to, to root this out. Um, we have to do it in love, but, but we're doing that, you know, armed with both, you know, grace and truth as we, uh, as we sort through this. And I think that it's, uh, it's the fight of our lives in a lot of ways. Man, that's good. Can, can you, can you give, um, the definition of wokeism for someone who's listening is like you know i don't i don't want to be woke um i i, I know that that it's it's the word is thrown out there so much can you just stop for a moment and share your definition of wokeism? yeah and that's part of the that's part of the, the the conflict over this because those who are on the left will say well the problem is that people can't define wokeism and it's just this made-up term and it doesn't mean anything and everybody's got different definitions about it. And, and that allows it to perpetuate because, uh, they're kind of trying to shake any definition. There's one guy on, on Twitter who's a, he's a national, you know, speaker and thought leader and things. He's very left. And I won't even say his name because he doesn't need any more uh, attention, but you know, <laughs> um, you know, he, he's always saying things like, you know, well, once once people once the once conservative Christians actually can define wokeism, then I'll sit down and listen to them about it. And you know, so I just wrote him and said, "Hey, I've got a new book, Woke Jesus. Tell me your address. I'll send you a free copy." And he was aware of the book. He knows who I am. And um, but he won't he won't look at he won't receive it. He wouldn't he wouldn't allow me to send him a free copy. He's like, "Oh, I know what your stuff is." I said, "Well, you're asking for a definition of wokeism." And I've provided an in-depth one in this book. And so, you know, if you're not, if you're not, you can't say that nobody's going to define it when basically what you're saying is you just aren't going to look at the definitions that are out there because it's easier to reject it. And that's part of the trick here. On a simple level, wokeism is cultural Marxism. It's, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's looking at society through this lens of, of oppressor and oppress. And it's, it's focusing on, uh, these perceptions of of oppression, of seeing you know people that that kind of all of the system of um, society is built upon this framework that is that is tilted to one side and leaning away from people of diverse sexual orientation or of, you know, people of color or of, you know, certain, you know, countries of origin and these things or certain weight classes, you know, and that the whole system is skewed against people that are in this framework. And it starts with a conspiracy theory. And that is 
that somewhere along the lines, a bunch of, you know, white men got together and said, let's build a world that is totally against all these other people groups. And, and, you know, as much as the left criticizes the right for conspiracy theories about elections or, or, you know, uh, whatever that may be, or, or, you know, um, um, you know, child, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, sacrifices in Hollywood or something like that. Uh, the left has the conspiracy theories of their own and it's, it's called critical race theory. And this is a conspiracy theory. It is, it is a, a, a false belief. There was no party. No, if there was, nobody invited me, uh, to this to be able to, to make these decisions on how the world's going to be built. And here's the problem with Marxism. Marxism, because it views the world with these problems baked in, its only solution is to cleanse the world of the system that holds the problems, and that for the Marxists is revolution. And so the only solution is revolution to totally tear down this old system and then have something new arise out of that. And so, you know, wokeism is in many ways, it's a euphemism for some form of Marxist thought or neo-Marxist thought. And and it is uh, it's prevailing today. Uh, it's a, being allowed to continue because our our government has grabbed a hold. This current administration has grabbed a hold of it. Our schools have grabbed a hold of it. It's done what it set out to do a hundred years ago, and that is to infiltrate all these areas of society. And it's done a very good job at that. And now we're paying the price because we were asleep through this process and didn't see it coming, and we didn't know enough about it to be able to recognize it and refute it right out, you know, or outright when it first started. And uh, and that's allowed woke thought to really get as far as it has. Man, yeah, that's good. And I've really enjoyed the audible version of your book. And I'm also glad that I have a physical copy because I think it's one of these books that it. It. it I. I love to listen to books every week. I'm listening to books, but I think with your yeah. book, I think it's great to listen to it, but then you got to dig in and you need to highlight, you need to make some notes because I think every pastor and leader, it's so vital for us to take the time to educate ourselves because the reality is most of our people really are confused. And yeah. uh, in a few weeks, yeah. I've never strayed away from the, the hot topic subjects. I've always been willing to communicate what God's word says, and I've done it with love. But even in that, and even over all these years of of talking about it, there are still people who are confused because they're getting bombarded every day. And if yeah. if if they're hearing about this from everywhere else, then the church has to be willing to to speak up. To and I, I, I I got recently um, accused of. Listen, Chuck, man. What, why do you keep coming back to the LGBTQ stuff? Sin is sin, adultery is adultery. All I'm like, here's why: because everybody can agree that adultery is sin, but nobody believes that this other stuff is sin. And the word is crystal clear. And we used to be able to just tell people what the word says. Well, now you have Christian pastors and even professors who don't believe the word, or they're saying that we've misinterpreted every single scripture that has anything to do with it. And it's, it's mind boggling. And just a few weeks ago, I said, listen, I I just want to stop and say, how many of you are, you're confused. And I was blown away by how many people in my own church Mm. are confused and I preach yeah. it. So I know every pastor that's listening, every leader, you're not willing to address it. Um, I tell you what, um, your people need to hear it. They really do. And we got to take the time to, to research and thank God for the Holy Spirit. He'll speak through yeah. us. And I, you know, it, I, I love that you talk about, we got to be bold and sharing our faith and, and not to give up not to give up this fight. The church's days, our best days are still ahead. And I just love hearing what you've already shared, um, the growth that you're seeing. And according to DeBarna and other statistics, people want the truth. So Lucas, can you do us a, a, a favor? Can you pray for our, our pastors and our leaders that are listening? God, those that are, they know in their heart, I need to take the time yeah. to address this. And I just need that nudge. I need some some yeah. some Holy Spirit boldness to follow mm-hmm. through. Yeah, absolutely. Father, I thank you for your goodness, for your truth. Lord, thank you for Jesus. And Lord, I just speak to the pastors out there right now, Lord, and just any pastor that is maybe they're they're in they're having a Gideon moment. Uh they're finding themselves hiding in a wine press while culture is raging this this wicked battle all around them. And Lord, I pray that that they would just hear from you directly uh, to arise, you valiant warrior. 
And Lord, I pray that these pastors will recognize that and remember that they have a call on their life, a call to teach the full counsel of God. Yes. And even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when it's countercultural, Lord, especially then, Lord, and that they would do their jobs, Lord, and rise up. Lord, I pray that you would just, even through this podcast, Lord, that people would be connected, knitted together, that they might find connection at our pastor project or might find a resource that they can get in their hands to be able to encourage them and strengthen them in this process. Lord, I pray that people who are on the edge of deception, Lord, would just walk away from that cliff uh, and just recognize it, 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 it for what it really is. Lord, I thank you for a show like this that's, uh, that's just, you know, committed to bringing the truth. Lord, we just love you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lucas. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I know, just, just from the conversation we've had, I know there are going to be people that are going to want to connect with you. Obviously, yeah. the book as well. And uh, what is the best way for people to just find out more about you and what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So I got the book here over my shoulder, Woke Jesus, False Messiah Destroying Christianity. It's available wherever books are sold. Um, it's uh, certainly available on you know platforms like Amazon and others. It's a bestseller right now on Amazon. Um, the uh, But if you want to get it direct from us um, to support what we're doing, you can go to lucasmiles.org and you can click on the store icon and, and uh, purchase direct through our warehouse. Um, of course, uh, if you're interested in having me come out and speak or having me part of an event that you're doing, if there's anybody out here listening that, that might fit into that camp, uh, if you head over to lucasmiles.org as well, uh, there's a speaker request form and you can fill that out and my, somebody from my team will reach out to you. Uh, if you just have questions about things, you know, you can reach out through the website as well. We'll do our best to respond to as many, you know, uh, points of uh, contact that we receive. And, and uh, we want to help support people through this process. I encourage people to check out the resources we mentioned earlier. And, of course, pastors, church leaders, Christian podcasters, all these things. Check out AmericanPastorProject.org. And you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok at, at Mr. Lucas Miles. And that's at Mr. Lucas Miles, um, and I would love to connect with you there. Right on, man. Well, I am going to go check out on TikTok right now. I didn't realize that's it's actually my largest platform. That, so that's I, my. That's what I'm telling you, Andy. You got to get on TikTok. I'm sure, I'm sure China has all my money and my information by now. <laughs> but you know what? We're reaching a lot of people for Jesus on there, and it's been good. That's Amen. good. Right on. Well, we do a thing right at the end of the show uh, called the Big Three. And so yeah. we, we're going to do that right now. Three random questions just to find out more about you. Chuck, do you want to start off? I'm sure. All right. So my first question is, I know you live in, in the Granger, Indiana area, which is South Bend. So um, if you have to pick one, Notre Dame football, Indiana basketball, Purdue, um, are you a Colts fan? Like, give, <laughs> give it to me. Who, who, who do you root for in South Bend? Well, in South Bend, I, you know, I like Notre Dame uh, I like having Notre Dame in my backyard. Uh, you know, at an administrative level, there's a lot of wokeness in the university, uh, but it's it's sports still have a lot of intrigue and just nostalgia. And so, my wife's a grad. I did not go there. Um, I'm not a diehard, but I enjoy catching a game, especially if I get to go to a basketball or a football game. I enjoy basketball in person uh, and probably on television more than football. Um, but I, I'm a Celtics guy. I'm a Red Sox guy. Okay. I'm a Boston fan here in Indiana. Oh, so I don't know how that happened, but uh, I've been a diehard, you know, kind of uh, Boston fan for a long time. Uh, although I did this last week, I was just out in LA. I got to tour um, SoFi Stadium where oh. the Chargers and the Rams play, and the stadium was incredible. I got to throw. You know, my arm was only allowing me to throw about 30 yard passes to my nephew who plays college football. And uh, but we had a blast out there on the field. It was pretty incredible. Wow. That's I think cool. I saw the Instagram video of that. Yeah. yeah way cool, yeah. man. That's cool. That's cool. Well, OK, so obviously we are in the middle of the country. Uh, so are you, you're not too far from us in Peoria, Illinois, uh, to where you are in Indiana. Um, so if you're going on vacation, where are you going? Yeah. Um that's always a question. So I, uh, the tough thing is in my line of work and for as much, you know, kind of we've been on, you know, all sorts of places, you know, doing ministry stuff. I know people all over the place. And, and so when we plan vacations, it's always like, 
where can we go that we don't know anybody if we really just need to unplug yeah. and do that? And so, uh, and it's it's hard to always find that place. I enjoy Florida a lot. Um, I love the Tampa Clearwater area, um, you know, but I do a lot of ministry down there. So it's harder for me to probably fully unplug um, along like close to home. We spent a lot of time in New Buffalo, Michigan, oh. uh, just a beautiful little Lake Michigan beach town. Um, very quaint. And it's, I mean, the summertime, I'd put it up to next to any ocean town in California or Florida. It's just incredible area along that coast. Um, I, uh, I love, um, I love hot weather, you know, cruises. I, I mean, I would be down for a cruise about any time. <laughs> yeah. um, this this uh, summer we're doing a, a little trip and we're going to explore uh, some places in uh, Utah and New Mexico that we haven't been before. So we're, we're kind of, you know, renting a vehicle and traveling around and, um, you know, going to do some adventure, but a little out of the box for us. But yeah, if I get a book and a lawn chair, you know, and look at some water. I'm I'm pretty happy. Yeah, that's good. Right on. That's good. Well, get sign up for the woke Jesus cruise with <laughs> yeah, Lucas yeah. Miles, I like that. Eric Metaxas, and we'll throw in yeah, we'll, we'll Billy Hallowell's going to moderate music. You know, it'd be great. <laughs> yeah. It'd be great. All right. Well, speaking of music, who do you listen to? Man, I I love. Um, you know, it's funny. Here's the thing about it. I remember as a kid, like just being enthralled with music. And then I would look, my dad had a reel-to-reel player and a record player, and I would just flip through his records and see all these things. And then I remember looking at my dad one day and being like, you have all these records of like classic music, you know, Beatles and Bob Dylan and all these, you know, groups. And and like, he didn't listen to music that often. He He listened to a lot of talk radio. And I remember thinking like, how did you lose your love for music? And like now I listen to like mostly talk stuff all the time. You know, it's like I've, I've done that very thing. But I the time I listen to music the most is actually when I'm writing. And okay. so it's I have everybody has kind of their methods, but I throw in earbuds and I throw on I usually do kind of a different genre for each time I write. But I try to look for something. A lot of times it's non instrumental or excuse me, it's non uh, non vocals. But like I'll throw on some lo fi, just chill, like kind of hip hop beat with some, you know, pads and that's kind of what I write to it. So like, that's like my, my like relaxation, like focus zone. Um, but I, I love, I love a lot of genres. We have the country station on at times. Uh, I love, you know, kind of, I'm a, I, I wrote my first book to a Bob Dylan album on repeat and just wrote the whole thing <laughs> right like on. that. Yeah. I, I've, I've probably seen Dylan four or five times in concert, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's, I like music in general, but I'm not, uh, I'm not near as actively involved in it as I used to. I used to manage recording artists and worked with a girl who was on American Idol for a while and, and, uh, spent a lot of time in LA working in Nashville with music stuff. But, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it, I find myself less and less, you know, listening to it. All gotcha. right, man. All right. Really, really good stuff, man. Well, Lucas, we just want to thank you for coming on today. Uh, I know it's valuable what you have talked about and what you've written about. Uh, Everyone needs to go and get the book. Make sure you're telling people about the book as well. Churches, let's get Lucas here in the uh, Peoria area and also all over wherever you're listening from. And uh, again, we just want to thank you for coming on to Revival Town Podcast today. My pleasure. And pastors, go check out the website, AmericanPastorProject.org. Thank you so much, Lucas. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yep. Well, what do you think, mate? Great stuff from Lucas Miles. Man. Such a hot topic at the minute. It it really is. Heavy, heavy, heavy. But you know what? We've got to stand for what's right. Truth and love. Truth plus love. Right? That's a a book we we had on the author of Truth Plus Love with evangelist Matt Brown. Yeah. And um, I'm telling you what, this is a subject, right, where a lot of pastors are shying away and being silent. And I really believe that's part of the reason why we're in such a mess. I believe pastors, they need to stand up and be vocal. We really yeah. do. Yeah, you I, can, I, I, you I can do. be vocal and love people. I, I agree. I mean, I, you know, you hear a lot of pastors that say, well, it, it's a conversation with people. Jesus did do conversation with people, but a lot of the time he was addressing a crowd. Right. And, and the, the crowd needs to know. Absolutely. And in the book of Acts, there's a part where Paul said, I did not shrink back from telling you both publicly and privately. Oh, that's good. About the gospel. Yeah. He didn't hold back. He addressed the the, the false god Artemis. Yeah. And everybody was worshiping Artemis. Yeah. And people, they lost money because he came against Artemis. 
and um, it was it was hot. It was heavy. People were coming at Paul. He did not shrink back. And I tell you what, there is a time and a place for private conversation, but it cannot replace a pastor being in a pulpit and publicly teaching the congregation what the word says, because I'm telling you right now, they're confused. Yeah, they really yeah. are. And if you don't tell them what to believe, our culture will be happy to. Wow. Man. Man. As you can tell, this is pretty passionate things from uh, Chuck. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> well, hey, it's that time of the show. Tate and his mate. Tate and his mate. This is where I throw a English uh, word, rhyming Cockney slang uh, type of thing. If you don't know what that is, Google it. And uh, and Chuck has to guess this English phrase. So, I talked about my garden earlier. And most, most of that was started with pips. Hmm. Okay. Mm. Pips. Pips. So you talked about, use it in context again, use it in a sentence. Most of my garden was started with pips. Most of, most of your garden was started with pips. Pips, P-I-P-S. Hmm. I was going to guess those little marshmallow peeps, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, pips. Most of your garden was started with pips. Um, just dirt? Uh, no. Um, wood, lumber. No, no, no. I mean, I did. I put you know different um, things in there, but no, that's not what we're looking for. Uh, a vision. <laughs> Without pips, people perish. <laughs> no, nope. I have no idea. Um, seeds. Oh, pips. A seeds. Great. We get some apple pips. Hey, okay. Some cucumber like pips. Some yeah. English cucumber pips. There you go. Strawberry pips. Get the pips. <laughs> <laughs> chips and pips. <laughs> some fish chips and pips. <laughs> from our oh, man. from our, 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 our British friend Andy uh, King. Oh well, Chuck, thanks for doing this again with me. We love doing the podcast. Pips. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness and uh so make sure you tune in next week tell people about it and uh chuck thanks again hey thank you andy always a good time all right bye Thank you for listening to this episode of Revival Town Podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, head on over to RevivalTownPodcast.com. Oh,